0: Welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold.
1: Hey hoopheads! we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. With promo code Hoopheads to get 20% off.
0: Hey, everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham. Back with me today, Dan Galinsky. What's up, Dan?
2: Not too much, Justin. Uh, Just
0: happy that the Browns got W. Browns got W. Indians won today. They came back. That too. Uh, The Celtics lost in the finals, or in the conference finals, so the Heat will be advancing there. We get to see the. LeBron, Jay Crowder showdown there, so gotta love seeing it. Uh, We got a lot to get into today, though. Uh, We're going to talk about some of the stuff coming from the bubble, some of the stuff that Kobe Altman was talking about in his press conference. So uh, we'll just start with him saying that the Cavaliers, again, in this draft, assuming that they keep their fifth overall pick, will take the best player available, even if that player were a guard. Again, we've seen some stuff that, you know, the Cavaliers aren't super-duper high on either of the top two guard options, those guys being Killian Hayes and Tyrese Halliburton. Um, Sources say they wouldn't see either player as a better option than players already on the roster. But you never really know, again, who the Cavs like, who they view as the best player on the board. So we'll get into both of those guys a little bit. We'll start with Killian Hayes, a 6'5", 210 guard uh, he played in, I think, in Germany or France for Ulm. But um, really, really good size for a point guard. Again, he's 6'5 and has a really kind of thick frame. Dan, what stands out to you most about Killian Hayes?
2: Well, he probably is, I wouldn't say more of a, I wouldn't say necessarily a pass first player. Um, really good driver. Um, if he can get to his uh, that left hand he's, he's really hard to deal with um, but he's he's got a promising uh, step back as well um, he's he's gonna have to kind of get more minutes in um, nBA coaching I think will help him um, kind of manipulate but he, he can manipulate pick and rolls pretty well for a young guy um, got good feel as a passer I wouldn't say great but he can make hook passes, um, the PNR, he can get guys open with that. Uh, keeps his dribble alive pretty well. Um, and I'd just say, uh, really good athlete. It really excels in the open floor. Um, and defensively, it, it, he's, he's got pretty good feel. I would say he's, he's got a little bit of a ways to go um, in terms of kind of being able to at times he gambles a little bit um, for steals, but the guy's very athletic. Uh, if if they were looking at him, I think he he's more of like an all round type guard, not as much it seemingly as a a kind of pure shooter as, as Darius Garland in his core. But um, I I can understand that one more so just because he's his frame is is legit and frankly could has the size to play a, a decent amount of two guard. I just don't know how much he's got a ways to go in terms of being able to be a viable off-ball guy.
0: Yeah, I think he, he definitely has the, the size and the length to be a good defender. I kind of agree with you. He might not be, he probably won't be good on that end right away. Just considering, you know, rookie point guards who aren't, you know, really known for their defense often do struggle from there. Uh, he had an up and down kind of shooting season from three, but he is a 91% free throw shooter, which Again, it's promising. Again, his ability to Mm -hmm. hit step backs as well. Uh, You mentioned his his driving ability. Again, when he gets to that left hand, he is really, really good. But the problem is he almost never uses his right hand on drives. And if that's something that teams can kind of plan against, that might cause some problems for him. Um, I do think he is a really good – I think he's a pretty dang good passer. He averaged 6.2 assists. This past season, he is capable, I think, of making some pretty difficult passes, again, out of pick and yeah, roll or whatever. For sure. Um, how do you think he would fit into a rotation with the current guys here? I don't know. I think if he's on your team, I think he probably comes off the bench to start, but he's just kind of in that rotation with with, with Garland and Sexton. I think he would be kind of the first guy off the bench in that scenario.
2: Well, I, I, with him, I think – Kind of in the grand scheme, I mean, looking forward, I I think that eventually means you're probably going to deal with Garland at some point. I I wouldn't think next year, but I would think potentially, like during the following 2021 draft, maybe, um, where there's, there's should, I mean, if you don't go wing this draft, there's a lot of them there. But with him, I think you could maybe have some experimenting with playing those three guys at the same time. Um, kind of like how OKC had their 3 guard sets this year. Uh, that would kind of jump out to me in that way. But um, it, would we see him with Garland a lot? Probably not. Um, just because I, I think Colin Sexton, honestly, I think this year, I think we'll see him a lot more off the ball. I mean, kind of lean into that more um, and get him off movement. Whereas Garland, when he's on the floor, I mean, he's, he's going to occupy most of the possessions out there. Um, although I think he, he's got real off-movement shooting ability that we didn't really see because he wasn't totally all the way ready to go um, health-wise. But, um, yeah, with, with Hayes, I think a good amount early on, yeah, is, as you touched on, he'd be kind of that one of that first-guy-off-the-bench type. But, uh, again, I just think factoring in um, Kevin Porter Jr., with and also Dante Exum, I just I don't see Hayes is really that realistic of a pick right now. I mean, in theory, yes, um, due to the all-around skill set, at least projecting, but I just I don't see that as much.
0: Those were the two guys I was going to mention being Dante Exum. I think that would cut into his minutes severely. I don't know, I don't even know if he'd be in the rotation with. You know, with Winler coming back and you have to give minutes to KPJ, I think that'd mean a lot more KPJ at the three, um, which is something that, again, I I expect to see some, but I think we can all agree is not his best position. So I think you can kind of say all this same stuff for the next guy we're going to talk about. We're going to get into Terry's Halliburton here. Another 6'5 guard out of Iowa State um, where Killian Hayes is 210 pounds. Terry's Halliburton is 175 pounds. He's a lot more wiry. But um, a very good defender. I think I, he's a high Q, a high IQ player on both ends. He, I think he's capable of playing off ball more so than Killian Hayes. Um, just an overall not super flashy guy, but does a lot of stuff well. He's a he's a good passer. Uh, again, I think he can be a really good defender. You know, has great length, great athleticism. Uh, the offensive side is a little bit limited. I think his shot form is a little bit. I guess wonky, Um, it goes in. But I think just having that that unorthodox release kind of limits his ability in pull-ups. I don't know if he's going to be getting past guys a lot on drives. Um, What do you think of him?
2: Yeah, you pretty much hit the nail on on all those points there. Um, Yeah, the the shot is, as you said, definitely wonky. Um, Got a long release, it seems like, as well. Um, but it, also a really high IQ player, really smart. Um, for a guy that's pretty athletically limited, he does manipulate pick and rolls well. Um, is a passer, it seems, more so, but um, has very good vision, really unselfish guy, heavy player. Um, but I, I think our, our own Amadou So, um, who you and I have done a number of podcasts with here, also kind of highlighted previously how Tyrese and Colin Sexton could be maybe a promising pairing um, just because Halliburton is kind of a guy that you could you would think is more of a low usage guard uh, point guard kind of a lead playmaker but more of a that true natural kind of Chauncey Billups type point guard more of a table setter but can be a shot maker off the catch for you but um, defensively, I think is is where he, the, is the key selling point for him um, being able to guard one's and twos. I understand, obviously, you, you want to see that frame grow, um, get more solidified there. But um, it, getting in an NBA weight training program um, could you, you would think he he could be able to bulk up and, and being around a guy like Colin Sexton, how he's been able to um, really bulk up his frame, as, as the Cavs kind of hit on. Um, Wouldn't would you? pay dividends for him but again to me in today's league um, having point guards that are very limited uh, in terms of pull-up ability I I just I'd rather not I'd rather give Garland keep taking her lumps with Darius Garland um, who's I understand we didn't see it last year I believe he shot uh, 32 percent on pull-up threes or or in that ballpark but um, is it Tyrese uh, has, has a ways to go with that shot, and I just worry with the Cavs at this point that could end up being um, detrimental for you offensively if you're, if you're probably realistically lead playmaker is, is not really a pull-up threat and is, is not really going to – it's hard for me to believe he gets a whole lot of separation where Hayes can get that um, and, and is a more high-level finisher. So if you're going to go with those two, I think Hayes is clearly the guy.
0: I I struggle with that question because again, if we're going to talk about, and I guess the whole thing is the Cavs want to take the best player available again out of the two. I think Hayes probably is that guy. I just I like the idea of Halliburton being more of a glue guy for the Cavs, and I think that that's a word that I've seen describing him a lot when I've read you know scouting reports about him. I think any scouting port report I've read about Tyrese Halliburton has mentioned that he will be a glue guy in the NBA for whatever team he plays for. Um, I think, whereas Killian Hayes, it does kind of make it feel like you would have to choose between, you know, if Killian Hayes is in there, it's likely that maybe the Cavs don't stick with Garland for very long, whether he gets traded next season or the offseason after that or the next season after that, whenever. I don't think that you can keep all those guys together. Um, maybe Killian Hayes doesn't work out, and he's the guy you trade, and you'd keep Garland. But I feel like Tyrese Halliburton would just kind of I, – I just feel like he fits better into that guard rotation just with the ability to play off ball. I think, again, he would need to you know, improve his frame a little bit and put on some weight. But I think that's somebody who like, – you could definitely see more so with those three guard lineups. I think he'll be more capable of defending bigger guys than Killian Hayes long term. I just I, I like um, I, I like Halliburton's defensive potential a lot more than I like Killian's. But if you're looking at who has the potential to be the best player, I do definitely think it's Killian Hayes. Um, again, I, I don't know who the Cavaliers view as the best player in the draft. Reports are that it's probably not one of these guys, but again, you never know. We'll get on to something else here. We'll talk about some other little notes from Kobe Altman's press conference interview. Uh, there's mutual interest in bringing back Tristan Thompson. Uh, Nance, in particular, has been very vocal, very you know outspoken on Twitter or wherever else about bringing Tristan Thompson back. Um, same with Kevin Love. I would say at this point, unless they do draft a big man, which maybe Wiseman slips, maybe Okongu's there and you take him. But it seems to me like this point, Dan, it's very,
2: very likely that Tristan Thompson comes back. I I, I mean, reports are at least from Fedor that it's 50-50. To me, I, I still lean that just because... I, I mean, it's it's a possibility to me that um, Tristan just might want to go somewhere else. I, I could just frankly see that. Um, but it, 50-50 seems fair. I mean, it, heads or tails seems honestly pretty fair to me right now. Um, I, I can't say that it's more so the case either way, um, just because it's, it's it's complicated. We don't know exactly what's going to happen with the cap, Um and if I just think if there's a guy like a Kong Wu there, um, and unfortunately, I hate saying this, if Obi Toppin Obi is Toppin. there, um, <laughs> it's the Cavs. So it's just hard for me to say either way right now. And, and I would think if we'd kind of hear more, at least a little bit definitive stuff, if it really were that likely um, from either party. I, it's just To me, I think it's just heads or tails right now. It seems pretty fair yeah that that mutual interest
0: is something that I do like hearing that you know there's a lot of interest from Tristan's side is to coming back as well again that gives me hope I've been on the bring Tristan back camp ever since I've even started doing podcasts. I think in my my very first episode that I made the case to bring Tristan back the more the further we get into this the more and more likely it seems to me that a one year deal. And whether whether Tristan stays after next season or not is to be seen. but I think a one- year deal is the most likely outcome that we see right now for Tristan in that, you know ten, eleven million dollar range is what I'm expecting. And another thing that really hasn't been taken into consideration for me up to this point, but and I probably wouldn't still take into consideration, but that that little bit of doubt keeps creeping in and uh, this Altman interview, Makes it creep in just a little bit more. Uh, Kobe Altman is still unclear as to what Andre Drummond will do with his twenty-eight point seven million dollar player option. Um, he did note that the Cavs have remained engaged with Drummond and that there aren't any hard feelings about him being in the bubble. But the further we get into this, and Tristan or not Tristan, Andre Drummond still unclear about what he's going to do with that player option.
1: To get started
0: what what would you say? What percent chance would you give Andre Drummond of opting out? I'm still going to go with like a 95 percent chance that he opts in, but is that doubt creeping into your mind anymore?
2: Not really at all. Uh, I'm exactly with you there. Um, I, I just don't understand. Uh, at this point, I guess Drummond and his, his representation are just going to do their due diligence just for the heck of it, um, which, I mean, I can't blame him for not kind of putting all his cards um, face up right now. So, um, again, I, I just I don't see that there's any any way he, I mean, realistically doesn't end up doing that just because for his sake. Um, and, he, and the other, I think, under the spectrum as well, um i understand that center i mean his kind of style is is almost like archaic to an extent in today's league but with the more cap space next offseason maybe he ends up getting more of a, a more lucrative deal than i think he would get um we'll have to see but if he has a similar production this next season whether that's uh, even if he gets traded at some point down the road um, to a different team uh, for him. It just seems to make sense to just opt in at this point. And I mean, maybe I'm sounding a little bit like a homer for the Cavs here, but um, with a, a more solidified head coaching situation with bigger staff, not with B line, um, not or initially last year with, with Drummond, I, I just think for him, it's a good situation. Um, I, I understand him and Blake Griffin, Blake Griffin got a lot better as, as a floor spacer, it has been, and he's a good passer, a really good passer as well. But I just think Drummond being able to play with a guy like Kevin Love from a a four stretch big standpoint, one of the elite ones in the league. Um, I, I just think for him it's just a good opportunity. I I think he'll end up doing it wholeheartedly. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I just he would have
0: to just really, really, really want to get out of Cleveland. And that would be the only reason he would really have for leaving, because what what is his market this offseason? You know what what team would give him a fifteen million dollar offer? I, don't I, I it's, really don't it's know. I, be I don't Charlotte. know what team. That's, Maybe Charlotte. To me, that's yeah. About it. Really? But do you really want to go to Charlotte over Cleveland, like for less money? Like I, I yeah, don't know I,
2: if I'm with you there. I don't. I wouldn't get that at all.
0: He again. He he'd just have to really want to get out of <laughs> Cleveland for whatever reason, and even with the uncertainty kind of crawling and staying where it is, I I still fully expect Andre to be on the Cavaliers next year. Um, Moving on, improving on defense, Kobe Altman said, would be a focus for this team, whether that's through adding personnel, through the draft, through free agency, or through developing internally. Um, We've talked plenty about – prospects who could improve the Cavs defensively. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, I think, would be one of those guys, even though I do not expect the Cavs to take him. um, This gives a little bit of hope for the anti-Obi Toppin crowd that he will not be the pick, but um, who do you see as guys who could really take a big leap forward defensively, internally? That was another thing that he mentioned. Um, Obviously, you know, Nance, uh, Tristan Drummond will do what they do on defense, but out of the rest of the guys, who do you see really having a chance to make a big leap defensively for the Cavs?
2: Um, I, I think Kevin Porter Jr. Is, that, is one of those guys that would qualify there, uh, especially when I think, I, I really do think that we'll see him at the one in a fair amount of stretches next year. Um, and I, I just think with him, it's it's more so just, Kind of getting through off-ball screens, that sort of deal. Um, kind of you learning to use his length um, to impact team defense. I, I think he started. We started to see that more as the season progressed. And I just think with him, it's it's just reps. I think the more he p- plays pick and roll defense, he, he's starting to. He was starting to see um, – diagnose things quicker earlier on. Um, He would overextend a little bit defensively, but I can understand that for a young player. But uh, it's just for him, I think, in the team team scope, we'll really see him um, take strides next year. uh, And and really, I I just think he'll be able to suffocate ball handlers as as the season progresses um, and as he gets more reps. And it's just more just tying that together with that frame. But I I really do think Colin Sexton. Um, I, I, are we going to see him ever as a necessarily key defender? Uh, I, I'm not really sure, but he's this new frame. guy.
0: Sorry, I was to say this this new frame for Colin, This this added muscle yeah, it seems I, like this could really be something for him.
2: Yeah, I think with him it was just it's. I, I don't think the between the eyes. I think he has it. Um, at least defensively in terms of on ball, it's just last year he was, he was, took a lot of time to really kind of be able to get into twos and kind of, um, use his wingspan to, to contest pull ups. But as the season progressed, he really got a lot better at that. Um, just, if you just ask Bradley Beal, I mean, he would definitely say at that last time we played Washington, I, I, Colin really defended him well, got him, it seemed like in a funk, for example. Um, and, and he can really, it really, learn to cut off guys and use that quickness more so as the season progressed and um, I, I think next year we'll see him really take a leap there um, in, in another guy in the team sense that I think next year he'll figure it out more um, aside from that though it's it's hard to say for now um, internally what who exactly will take those steps um, but we'll, we'll have to see what plays out. Um, and the draft selection i think will really uh be key for how the team defense kind of ties together with those two guys in particular
0: yeah i think sexton is somebody that i hope to see a really and i, I don't i don't expect kpj to be a lockdown defender ever i oh, don't no. expect colin to no. ever be a you know a, one of those guys on defense but it's i do definitely do think we can it's to
2: league could, for a guard it's it's yeah, very difficult
0: yeah those those guys i think will take big leaps towards being competent on that end. Darius, I still don't think we'll ever get there. I think he'll, he'll, he'll remain a below average defender throughout the rest of his career.
2: But oh, for him, uh, you kind of, it's kind of is playing defense threes over twos kind of deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, we'll move on here. Just kind of looking at the scrimmages, looking at, you know, the, the atmosphere in the bowl, um, it said that they have you know music playing, like arena music. I'm assuming they have sound effects going on during the scrimmages, which I wish we would see more than just highlights of. I would love to watch a full scrimmage from this team, right? Um, but you know things seem to be going really, really well in the bubble this far. You know we've seen some of the the team bonding, you know stuff that they've done, some cornhole, other things. You know a lot of a lot of stuff, just shooting games we've seen. Um, I don't know if this is true of every night, but in the first night, that optional shooting that they have, all 15 guys who were there showed up for that, which is, again, I just think that speaks really well of, you know, just kind of the mindset going into this thing and just the importance of just kind of building as a team. I really, really think that those are very positive signs moving forward. Uh, we'll look at we'll look at Dylan Windler now. This has kind of been a name throughout this whole bubble that has been talked about quite a bit. He seems to be, I don't know if the hottest guy in the bubble, but you know he's the shooting is obviously very very real. Um, we saw a report saying that you know he's actually was granted act, you know permission to work out earlier than most guys just to kind of do to kind of start his rehab on the court earlier. I um, also saw a report saying that just along the lines of all this roster experimentation, we could see some Dylan Windler at the four. Maybe not this year, but maybe some this year, but as a long-term possibility. What are the odds of that happening to you? I don't know right now if Dylan is built to play the four, but that's an interesting idea.
2: Yeah, in theory, uh, I, I understand where they're coming from with that. Um, shows really good feel on the glass as well um, on both ends, really. But um, to me, I, ideally, that's what you want from a, a kind of four-out type, but or I'm sorry, five-out type in, in theory. But it's just to me, given what happened last year, I understand the offensive perspective there, and also added playmaking at the four. Um, but Kevin Love and Larry Nance are, are very good playmakers themselves. Um, four bigs, but with Dylan Windler, I after a guy didn't play all at all in his rookie year. To me, putting him at the four at all, honestly, like from an injury standpoint, I, I just I don't want to have that. Um, I, I don't want him kind of in that role. I just feel like that's a possibility that just for injury, frankly, with yeah, you don't wanna, a guy that's, you don't want him banging around too much. Right. And, and even against kind of smaller fours, I, this, this is not a dude that's, that you really want doing that that often. He's going to have to put on a lot of weight to, to be able to do that with real viability. Um, so to me, just put him at the two and three, um, allow him to run off screens a, a lot. Um, to me, that's kind of pigeonholing him a little bit and kind of just having him as a floor spacer type and kind of not allowing him to be active um and i i'd kind of just rather him not do that I, I can understand where his where he's coming from trying to almost kind of sell himself a little bit to the fan base but i i I'd, I'd rather put him at the two and three um just because he he's he's gonna make a lot of plays for you in those spots and defensively i, I mean on ball he might be a little bit limited um it, lateral quickness could be better but he's i think he's a Going to be better than Jetty Osman will. Um, far better just because really, really high IQ player off the ball, um, diagnoses stuff well, uh, and is, I mean, he's not really, really long, but he uses his length well and just a, a, a very good rebounder. So I just let's just cool it on the stretch four stuff for him. <laughs> yeah, I agree with
0: that. Uh, one last note related to the bubble for me. Larry Nance Jr. talking a little bit about, you know, wanting to play the three. Obviously, he'll play the four plenty. Doesn't want to play the five. I don't think that there is, unless Jordan Bell makes the team and, you know, gets to play real minutes. I think one of either a center draft pick or Tristan Thompson will be back. I think Drummond will be back. But I definitely still think that Larry Nance is going to have to play the 5. So to anybody who watched that interview or that that press conference with Larry Nance, I fully expect him to be playing the 5 still, I don't think, even against his wishes. You know, maybe Kevin Love can say, I don't want to play the 5, and they'll say, okay, Kevin, we're not going to play you at the 5. I don't think Larry Nance is in a position yet where he can say, I don't want to play the five, I think. Do you have any disagreement there? I I'm, I'm, I fully expect to see him play plenty of minutes at center next season.
2: Yeah, because you would think he'll probably play a good amount um, just because his added floor spacing ability with Kevin Love. So um, that duo at the four or five, I would think we'll see a fair amount just because they're, I mean, it, defensively, like rim protection, there that the lack thereof is is an issue in th- in those instances, yes. But Larry Nance is a, a really heady off-ball defender, uh, a really good rotator, and and honestly, and rotating on the interior, Kevin Love is better at that than a lot of people give him credit for. And they're both such good rebounders, so um, and, and again, very good playmakers, and and that off the catch. Ability and also an, an improved handle with him at the five, I think, on the offensive end can allow you to do a lot of different things. So um, as opposed to Drummond, I mean, in terms of the handle, that's pretty limited there, and the guy's very turnover fr- prone. So um, yeah, I, I'm with you there. I, I understand maybe he like he did say that, but. This is not the Cavs don't have enough players like him in terms of the versatility among bigs, so he's just he's gonna have to do that at times. That's just how it is.
0: Yeah, like I said, unless Jordan Bell makes the team and proves that he deserves to get real, real minutes in the rotation, I don't I don't see anybody else who really provides what he does. Uh, right. Before we move on, any other any other last thoughts just
2: about the bubble up to this point? Um. No, I mean, you you really hit the nail on the head. I just think I, I'm – I mean, just one tweet. I can't remember who tweeted out. It's a Cavs PR guy. Oh, I know um, who you're talking about. Uh, yeah, what's his name? He's, he's tweeted out some clips. I like him a lot. Um, yeah. But he just kind of showed, like, one clip of just a basic Dylan Windler kind of dribble handoff where he kind of – his shooting ability just kind of gets guys up into him real quick Made a subtle dribble handoff to Kevin Porter. That's the kind of things we're gonna see out of Dylan Windler. Um, got Porter really uh, kind of mixed the defense up. Dante and was late um, closing out to him. Just those two alone, I think their two man game is gonna be so fun to watch. Um, it, they're just Windler's presence as a shooter is just gonna open up so many things for Kevin Porter. Uh, and Port, at the other end of the spectrum, Porter's driving ability, able, ability to make those kind of dump offs, and honestly. Hits to the dunkers, um, and, and I think he'll get more spray outs out to Windler a lot. Um, just Windler's overall um, what what he could do, um, even as likely a bench contributor, just a guy that is gonna f- he's just gonna open up so many things off the ball for a lot of different players. And um, to me, you you get a guy like a Kong Wu or a defensive wing type. Uh, I, I'm just really looking forward to seeing how Winler can fit into these uh, other pieces next year. Um, just because we've just seen glimpses of it, saw glimpses of it in Canton as well. But um, to me, it's that guy's just—he's going to be a fan favorite from the jump. BJ Evans is his name. The Cavs yep. PR guy. I, I wanted—I knew it was an Evans. I just—I couldn't think of the first name. But yeah, he's—he's he's been clutch with that for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. If you're on Twitter and you care about the Cavs at all, follow him. Posting Absolutely. a lot of a lot of inside the bubble, a lot of just scrimmage clips. Yep. So uh, definitely definitely worth the follow. If if again you're on Twitter. Uh, one thing I kind of you know was going back and forth on whether we should talk about on here, but um, have you seen the Delonte West news that he was caught yeah, like really he was caught really on sad. camera again panhandling really in
2: Dallas. Really sad.
0: Yeah, just unfortunate stuff, and I know that I know that Doc Rivers reached out to him or reached out to try to help. I know other NBA players have as well. It's just it's unfortunate that, you know, I think, what was it, four or five months ago we were kind of in the same position seeing him on the street and, you know, people coming out and saying that, you know, they were really gonna help him, and then here we are again seeing the same thing with him. It's just it's kind of upsetting to see. And, you know, again, I know that there's some sort of mental illness issue there as well, but I really, really, really hope that soon enough we can really, you know, something can be done to, you know, just to get him off the street at least, because it's really unfortunate to see that this is still happening for him.
2: Yeah. It's, it's a really tough situation. Um, Honestly, I, I loved him as a player, and really seemed like a good guy. It, it's just too bad um, what's transpired there, and and I just hope the best for him, and and hope that he gets the help he needs. Um, totally with you there.
0: No, yeah. again, I I don't know exactly how much the NBA has done to to you know get involved in trying to help him, but hopefully, whatever it is, hopefully something can be done to try and help him because it's just. I, this isn't the first time that we've seen him out there, you know, in the, in the last time that we did was quite a while ago. So,
2: right. And that was especially, pre, and that was pre COVID as well.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, especially with what's going on right now, it, it really, it just, it hurts to see. And I really, I, I hope the best for Delante because nobody, nobody deserves to go through what he's going through. Oh yeah. Totally. Um, We'll, we'll end it on a, a positive note here. Talked a little bit about the finals with the heat, making it there going up against the Lakers, who's your prediction to win it all?
2: Uh, I, I, I was I was one of the people sucked into the Nuggets before in seven, but I, I'm not making that mistake again. Um, clearly, this hiatus has been paying dividends for LeBron in a whole other way. So, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll just say Lakers in five. That seems reasonable to me right now. I had the Lakers in six
0: in the Western Conference Finals. Give me Lakers in five for the finals. I'm right with you there. I think. I I don't see anybody on the Heat stopping
2: LeBron in any way. So. No, I just I don't see it, and and that see, still seems like Jimmy's a little bit a little bit affected by that shoulder. Still, it just doesn't seem totally yeah, there. And I and that's the guy that they need. I mean, honestly, they'll need LeBron in key moments to guard and. He's just too. That's the one guy that Jimmy really just. It's not. He's just too small. Um. I just. LeBron's just gonna. He's just gonna bully them. That's. That's the issue. Yeah, you, you can try Jimmy.
0: You can try Andre Iguodala. I don't know if Andre Iguodala's still got enough left in the tank to guard LeBron an entire series. That that shoulder is a good point, and I think just you know shooting the ball, he yeah. he just is not taking any threes. Anymore right, right now. Uh, there I there think. isn't much mid range either. Not really. No, there really isn't. You know those and those kind of just end of shot of clock game.
2: isolations. We're really not seeing that a lot from him. It's not. Yeah, it's honestly been a Hero really and and Goran Dragic, but um, yeah, I, I just think they're just going to get re- out rebounded considerably. Um, I, I would think Howard will just bludgeon them. And I, I, the one thing about Miami defensively, um. It, the problem is that that's, when they do that go when they do zone up, they're going to give up offensive rebounds all the time. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. They are. The other issue is they're just they they do foul a hell of a lot, and obviously, Lakers are they're going to get their whistle. So <laughs> that that to me will be the difference. I know the the Celtics had Grant Williams to match up with Bam Adebayo,
0: but. The the Lakers have Anthony Davis, and I think that's going to kind of limit what Bam's able to do. Again, just not being able to guard LeBron. I I don't think this will be... Obviously, the Heat are playing incredible basketball, and I think that they will be competitive in each game. But I I don't see
2: this really being too tight of a series in general. Oh, yeah, no. And, and Honestly, the guy... Everybody wants – everybody seems to love Caruso. I, I don't know what it is. I mean, the guy's – he's a nice player. I, I like the way he plays. He plays hard. Really good cutter. a um, Good athlete, obviously, bouncy. But KCP has really lit it up, and, and I think he's going to give Hero a lot of problems. And um, I, I just think the Lakers, Lakers have been – I mean, LeBron's been in the situation before. Rondo I, I mean at least from an IQ standpoint probably will will do do his part and I, I just the Lakers are just they're just uh, in a good situation it's kind of um, timed out or set up well for them yeah, and even Rondo's hitting some
0: shots lately so yeah and so I, I, I like when that's the case I'm,
2: that's that's just the icing on the cake
0: yeah i like the lakers odds with that We will get out of here. Dan, thanks as always so much for coming on. Always fun to talk Cavaliers and whatever else with you. Um, If you enjoyed listening, subscribe, leave a review, do whatever else you want, or don't do it. That'd be fine, too. Thanks for listening either way. And uh, we will see you soon.
2: Thanks as always, guys. And thanks thanks a lot, Justin, for having me as always. Appreciate it.
1: Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavaliers Central with Justin Matcham. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players' Court, Bleachers and Boards, and our other three team focused NBA pods Grizz and Grind, Knuck a You Buck, and the 305 Culture Miami Heat podcast. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game from grassroots to the NBA.
0: Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.